Marvel people, what is up? This is your boy, the rock star, the renaissance man, the Duke Russo. And I'm joined by the divine voice himself, Henron. Dude, Henron, you ready for this crown jewel? I am ready. We're here ready to talk about this lovely, lovely pay-per-view that we had going on here. It was a crown jewel, uh, a wrestling spectacle, and, you know, a little bit more entertaining than I anticipated but very predictable yeah yeah we uh we had like what 19 title defenses and only one change hands um i would describe this show as mid and then like probably on the lower spectrum of mid and to be fair like most of these saudi shows usually aren't the greatest um they've definitely had uh, a lower end of the spectrum when it comes to match quality. Um, I don't know if it, if you had to give this entire PLE a letter grade. What letter grade would you give it? Uh, well, I'm I'm a you know I enjoyed it. I'd say it was at least like a B B minus. You know what I'm saying? Maybe like an 82 and 83. Not too bad. That feels awfully generous. Yeah, that, you know, I I liked the things that happened. You know, like it felt um it wasn't as hype as like a big PLE, but compared to some of the previous ones that we had, I feel like every match kind of at least had its place. Honestly, yeah, I guess they had. I guess they had their places. I will say each each match trying to think if there's one that I would actually say the one with the least story and plot implications would probably be the main event because like it's just over you know yeah on to the next yeah which is which you know, is going to be the next calendar year (laughs) and, and probably not for a few months into the next calendar year. Uh, you know, maybe Roman will get another defense at rumble, but, uh, that's, that's the next opportunity. And, uh, I, I think we're in for some dark days storyline, but you know, let's, let's, let's go through some of these matches here. We've got the kickoff match, Sami Zayn, JD McDonough, they let these two dudes go at it for a bit, a little bit more than I expected. This was the the, the lead in, the kickoff match. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, I again, um, I like this right here. When Sammy came out, I thought he was injured or something because they played his music and he didn't come out at first. And I thought they were going to hit like a backstage segment and he got beat up by Judgment Day. But no, he was just letting the crowd soak it in sing his song before he finally came out and, you know, we got hype with everybody in the nice little outfit that he had on. Um, not too much to note in the match. My two highlights were they tried, you know, JD tried to do another big flip, you know, getting thrown by somebody this time. They're trying to do a monkey flip with uh, Sammy kicking him in the stomach. But I think he kicked him improperly because he had zero rotation on that. He almost went headfirst into the ropes. He almost died. And Cammy just, or Sammy just booted the guy right in the stomach. And like on his left front stomach, he had just like a giant red almost gash from the boot. 
but Sammy was able to win using the blue thunder bomb. So yes, that was my favorite part of the match is we finally got Sammy getting a pinfall after the blue thunder bomb. Um, yeah, I don't know what was up with JD's hip. I, I thought it was maybe like rope burn or something. I don't know. It, it, it looked like it sucked in all honesty. And you know, I, I would say that at at this point, JD McDonough is the Darby Allen of WWE and just like wild seller of just like will do massive over the top spots um and just just take a beating like no other. So at this point, you know, I'm like when when can we get like a JD McDonough uh Omas match, you know? Yeah, I well, like whenever we get you know Judgment Day screwing over Damian Priest, I can't wait to see Damian Priest beat beat the hell out of JD. But who's going to be the <laughs> next faction that Judgment Day feud with? So that we, I mean, they're going right back to Cody and Jay. So whoever is after that, uh, then we can finally see who who they're messing with that actually is going to put some more hurt down on JD McDonough. Yeah, yeah. Well, let let's let's get into the where does Judgment Day go from here? I guess maybe after the the priest ish match. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, at this point, we got the actual show open, and we opened with for me match of the night. Um, I felt like. Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre was match of the night by um, by a decent margin. Uh, the the other contender for match of the night, I was surprised that even for you know, especially for myself to say this was was Ray and Logan Paul. Um, but again, this was n- another one of those weird moments where uh, where where the champion comes out first. Like, I feel like WWE used to always be consistent about that. And now like, I honestly never know who's fucking coming out first. My first thought was when we see this match first, that's suspect that's shenanigans written all over it. Um, so I was like, what the hell are they going to do? You know, with them coming out first and speaking of match, this was my match of the night as well. Honestly, um, I, I had watched the show in parts, so I had to, you know, come back when I was reading my notes right now. I had watched this match prior to the rest of it, the rest of the show. And thinking back before I read my notes, my match of the night was honestly the women's five way. I really liked that match. Um, I still think it's number two on the on the card for me. But this right here was was match of the night. These two really went at it. Yeah, and I love I love these two in the ring together. Um, these dudes can fucking go. Uh, I love like the vocabulary that Seth broke out in this. You know, with with trying to hit the Phoenix Splash, which I, I, dude, we don't really see that out of him very often. He he uh, he still got the Tyler Black acrobatic days in him, so. You know, uh, back injuries and all aside, it's nice to see him hit that. Um, some some nice counters with with Claymore stuff. I tell you, when the Claymore doesn't work, it does look like kind of a weird move because he just kind of like plants himself. <laughs> you know, 
I don't I don't know if you're familiar uh, with like the quote unquote backstory of the Claymore that Drew McIntyre once said. Are are you or not? I am not. So he said like back in the day he was wearing tights or whatever, and they were two like actual tights full full length, and they were too tight because one time he tried to go up and do you know like a big boot or like a single leg job kick or something like that, but both legs came up because the pants <laughs> were so tight. And when he did it, it was literally the claymore and he was you know kind of upset because he kind of messed up the match and i believe like after the match somebody was like what was that that was really good you know and it just kind of stuck from there i believe that's you know from from his verbiage you know what what the story was but yeah it's awkward you know maybe that's why it looks awkward because it was him you know <laughs> not actually trying to hurt you know do that shit properly but see when shit like that comes out you know like when it has a story, I appreciate it. You know, not not like fucking Lexus King and whatever the hell oh, fucking no. bullshit that he does. You know what I mean? Like, fuck that. Like, all right, that's a story. And you know what? Now I can see it because he goes into it as if it was going to be a big boot. And yeah, it's basically a double big boot. But this, I did, I did like this match. Uh, Seth came out looking fresh. Um, they were they were singing hard and the tights that Seth had on really like those, you know, very unique, not something and usually his entrance outfits are over the top, but his tights are usually kind of mellowed out this time. He fully embraced all of it. So I don't know if this is maybe we're seeing him getting deeper into this whatever phase of Seth Rollins that he is. You know, Drew said he's going to have to rethink himself and guess he's not. Nope. Um, but yeah, man, some of the moves he hit out, he at one point he hit a um springboard swanton rolled through into a lion saw back across. That shit was disgusting. Um he kept trying to hit the pedigree and the stomp. Never been a big pedigree fan, but I can understand his history with it. Um the Phoenix Splash. When we've seen him attempt it, when was the last time we actually saw him hit it? I don't know, but I feel like I, I feel like a miss with the Phoenix Splash where you land on your feet might actually be more difficult than than the typical usage of a Phoenix Splash. Oh, 100%. And man, every time they jump off the rope and they land like on their feet, oh, I just, I just fear for their legs, their knees. Man, uh, every single time I see that, I hate it so much. And then sometimes they, they're like, oh, my knee gave out. I'm like, did it? Boogs? Because, like, I don't know. Like, this shit do be giving out, man. I don't like that shit. It's a scary moment for sure. And then, like, and then you've got Shane O'Mac that just goes to do a leapfrog and, and rips his quad off the bone. That guy right there, dude, that's going to be Roman Reigns' the next challenge. Spoiler alert. But oh, God. we ended up getting the classic, you know, countdown for the Claymore and he gets countered into a super kick. I was surprised when he tried to hit the Claymore again without counting down. He actually missed. Uh, Seth was able to duck it. Uh, and that's how he was able to hit a pedigree and then a stomp to get the cover. Um, I believe uh, Drew kicked out of a stomp earlier. And I was also thinking, who the hell is kicked out of a stomp? But after this. With everybody down, everybody weak. Damien Priest, the music hits. He comes out there. He's talking to the ref. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to cash this in. 
go ahead right here. I'm going to do it. And he gives the briefcase to the ref, but then Sammy jumps in, steals the briefcase and takes the fuck off. So I like, even though he told the ref I'm cashing in, but I guess cause they didn't open the briefcase and take the contract out. It, it didn't actually count. So it's still valid. But then it, the announcers also mentioned he can't, you know, use it without having the contract. So I like that they noted that in there because even if he gets the briefcase back and it's empty, because the, like you mentioned, the contract's in a different briefcase, he still can't cash in. So maybe that was a small seed that they were hinting at. Yeah. And, you know, I was reading, I think the last time the briefcase was stolen was by Dean Ambrose. Um, and I don't fully remember all the context with that, but uh, again, this is WWE. They'll make up the fucking rules with the briefcase as they go, if they so please. You know, we we ain't seeing Sami Zayn cash his shit on Roman because I saw a couple people speculate that. When, all right, so when I first heard that this match was the first in the night. This grand plan came up in my head. First off, let's just address the fact that anytime WWE makes it really obvious that something's going to happen, it never fucking does. So they were playing up this whole, you know, I'm going to cash in. I got this person I can cash in on. I could cash in on this. Fuck, I could even cash in on Roman Reigns. That means that there's no cash in. <laughs> you know, like, let's let's just be honest about that part. But when I heard that this match was first, I was like, oh, this would be incredible to have whoever win Priest cash in, win the belt, and then lose it later in the night to Cody Rhodes. I thought that would have been like really great story. I thought that would have been like it would have set us up for more interesting content moving forward, especially if it was like Seth wins, Drew loses, and and as much as I've said that like I thought it would be really fun to have this on Drew, Drew losing plays more into the heel turn. But like, I just felt if if we went through that sequence and Priest won it and then lost it, and then now you got Drew who's like brooding about losing, and then you know, I, it just pushes him into the Judgment Day, and then it pushes Priest out of the Judgment Day. I just felt like storyline wise, that would have flowed really nice. Yeah, I think that would have been really good, and I especially would would have liked that if we um could have gotten champ versus champ at survivor series and had cody roman again um maybe not for the title but just another thing cody gets his win back and then he can really be like my story's not over i got my win but i don't have the belt (laughs) (laughs) story's not finished (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that would have been that would have been fun i i wish they went that route but alas we did not and we just got sami le resistance Taking the briefcase. <laughs> so th- that'll be a storyline of like, okay, how how do we get the briefcase back? You know, is there going to be... Um, I saw somebody on Twitter say, oh, you know, it'd be fun if uh, if they had... If, if the War Games match was between the two groups that we've been speculating, Judgment Day and then Cody J, Sammy, possibly KO, maybe Randy Orton, who the fuck knows... Uh, and the War Games match was for the briefcase. Ooh, interesting. Like, ooh, yeah. So, but but then, like, how do you decide who gets the briefcase amongst, like, let's say the Cody team wins, who gets the briefcase? 
yeah they like it'd be a thing where where they're all going into like yeah yeah we 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 know what to do we we know who deserves it and they look at each other you know (laughs) yeah and then they actually have the briefcase and then everything just shit hits the fan because oh i that could be my briefcase that could be my contract Uh, i could i could cash in on roman reigns i could finish the story (laughs) oh my god (sighs) yeah that would be i don't i don't see that happen I honestly, personally, am not even a fan. Thankfully, we don't get it very often, but like matches for the briefcase, I'm not really a fan of those in general. Yeah, and I feel like we had some dumb crap like that when Otis had the briefcase. I can't really remember his his story, but that was a disappointing turn of events. Yes, sir. Um trying to think if i had anything else on this one i don't think so so let's move on to your second match of the night we had the women's fatal five-way rhea ripley nia jack Shayna baszler raquel rodriguez and zoe stark with rhea's wwe women's world championship on the line and i would just like to say you know we we all know that these saudi shows that the women have to cover up and everything but I thought that this show as a whole was the best because we actually had variety. Usually when we have this, it's like the women are all wearing the same type of bodysuit. And we didn't get that. Yes, there Rhea wore a bodysuit. Naya wore one, but she usually wears one, so that's not even really all that odd. But then we got... Uh, Zoe Stark in like the combat commando outfit with like the baggy uh, baggy camo pants and then we got uh, Shayna in like the judo outfit and then you know later on in the night we had Io Sky looking like she shopped at a Bailey's uh, closet with like the baggy whatever kind of pants I felt like this was the nicest variety of the women covering up and I mean if if these are supposed to be more conservative and and make you not look at the women in a certain way, that didn't really that that was not the case for Rhea Ripley. Let's just let's just be honest. Yeah, I was happy to see these outfits. Um, one of my comments, and not in a negative way, but they reminded me of Power Rangers. You know what I'm saying? They were like five different colors. Like everything was colorful. Everything was actually like. I feel like in the past, it looked like they were just wrestling in trash bags. Now it actually looks like they have tailored outfits, which, yeah, it sucks that you might have to wear that, but it looks 10 times better than it used to. Um, it actually kind of fits their character. And honestly, I'm, I'm excited that uh, Raquel had to wear something that covered up her back. So, Bro, <laughs> I almost threw something at my television when she still did the back flex. Like, you are wearing a full fucking latex whatever bodysuit i can't even see your fucking back like okay i get it's your entrance but stop please that shit yo oh my god but let me they were fucking hyping up Shayna baszler in this match dude Shayna baszler looked crazy she, she actually germaned nia Jax. yes he had the help from everybody else like hitting a boot and a headbutt and shit but she hit her with the german at one part she had a triple submission she had like two two of them on the ground and like an indian deathlock variant with each leg and then hit the caracuda clutch on nia Jax, like until Zoe Stark came in and broke it up, and it's like 
And I, man, the whole Zoe Shayna thing that they had going on, like, I don't know why they did that. All they did was make us keep thinking, like, I thought y'all were friends, but all y'all do is fight each other, but whatever. Um, Nia Jax trying to be smart at the start of the match and just sitting outside, but she's getting fucked up a lot. Um, I loved, loved, loved the ending. Um, who, like, I think Shayna was lying on the ground. She had just ate some shit. Um, then, oh no, I'm sorry. She just ate a riptide. Starks broke it up. And then Starks goes up top and Ripley and Starks are fighting up the rope. Baszler's still dead on the ground. And then Raquel Rodriguez crawls over and tries to sneak the pin onto, um, Shayna Baszler. And Rhea Ripley hits like a second rope riptide on Zoe Starks on top of the two women and just hits the Roman Reigns, stack them and pin them for the one, two, three. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of crazy. Yeah. the So like I I loved the ending and I, I loved like the whatever, whatever I guess you would call it like an avalanche riptide or whatever. Mm-hmm. But my critique was the pin the the pin attempt by Raquel because like you see Rhea Ripley with Zoe Stark literally ready for the riptide and it's like oh hey let me just let me just get under that real quick like what the, what the fuck yeah she looked like an idiot she did have her highlight where she hit the uh, Tahana bomb on Nia Jax um yeah, but Jax was already up on on the turnbuckle. So like those to me are fucking cheating. But like, but she threw her though. Like she like went like halfway across the ring on that shit. I just eh. they they did do a really good job of like playing up each of the women at some point. Um you know, uh, Raquel got some really, really big, like, you know, typical Raquel power spots. That triple submission thing was pretty fucking cool. I, I enjoyed that. Um, I, I felt like maybe, maybe it was a little late on the breakup because one, one of the, one of the ankle locks or whatever the fuck they were, were like, um, you know, kind of not fully in there type of thing. I was like, yeah, maybe maybe go and save her. And then the one that looked like she was out was Naya, but like the ref didn't even really, you know, when somebody's passing out, they usually lift the arm up or whatever, and they didn't do that at all. So I was, that, was a, that was a fun spot, though. Um, but really, like, after all of this, Rhea's like, and I am the most dominant woman in the WWE. And what I can't help but think is, you know, we get heels and and faces too saying that shit all the time, but they usually say it like Roman Reigns will even say, I, I am the greatest of all time. I am this. I want Rhea Ripley to acknowledge herself and say, I am the most dominant woman ever because it's starting to feel like she is. Yeah, and with this entrance that she had, some of the Twitter clips um, online when she's doing the thing where you like dangle the title between your legs, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Where she's at, yo, yes. and, and they're still just peering her on. She's something else, man. 
Oh, I I loved her entrance. She got the Roman. She got entrance of the night. Obviously, uh, okay, maybe it dragged on a little bit too long because it was kind of like I was expecting something else to happen. Like, yeah. okay, guys come out and line up, and then something else happens. Not just more guys come out and line up, but like it would have been so cool if they like got down on the ground and like she made steps out of them or something. You know, in 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 Saudi Arabia, obviously it was a very like big statement to have all of these men come out to line up to like worship this one woman um but I, they they could have just went a little bit further and the crowd was into it she was definitely um one of the bigger crowd pops of the evening and honestly the crowd was kind of lame there were some like not so great responses from the like the crowd uh, spoiler alert, flash forward later, um, the crowd didn't even know who the fuck Kyrie was. You know what I mean? Like, there were some moments with the crowd that I was like, wow, they kind of suck. It took them a long time to really react to her. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't, they love Cody. They love LA Knight. They were mad about Roman, I felt like. I mean, it was a tip, he's Roman fucking reigns, but, um, I, I actually thought that I was a little surprised for the entrance and earlier, like I thought Cena would have gotten a little bit bigger pop. Obviously, it's John Cena, so he gets one. And then after the match, he got. But yeah, the crowd in general, I felt was a little. I I don't want to say lame, but I'm gonna say lame. It it was up and down. Um, they they picked it up on some of these later matches, but yeah, they definitely was low moments. You know, when like I feel like some of this stuff that was occurring was more exciting than what people really be going crazy for on the normal TV shows, especially here. Like, but I don't know. I don't know what they're expecting. Yeah. And do, do we want to get, I, you know, let's, let's just, we'll, we'll just stay in order. So let's, let's go to the worst match of the night. John Cena versus Solo Sokoa. And I, I would say that if I was surprised by the ending of any match, this evening, it was probably this one. Oh my god. Yeah, man. Like, this is... Um... So, I like the ending. I, I don't care at all about the match. Like, it was... I don't even know how long it was, but it was way too long. All that matters is that Cena couldn't win. He couldn't pin Solo. Solo hit the spike, and then he hit another spike. And then he hit another spike. And then he hit another spike. And then he put Cena on the ground. And then he just started spiking him and spiking him and spiking him and spiking him and spiking him. And then he won the match. And then the crowd was, you know, clapping for him. Thank you, Cena. And um, I'm sorry, if you got thumbed that much in your throat, like you, you'd die. Like you'd have like a collapsed larynx. I don't, I don't know how the body works, right? But I don't think you just get up and walk away after all of that. But it, it made Solo look like a beast. They want him to be the enforcer. I think that he's going to continue to be like a mid wrestler after Roman Reigns retires. I think he's going to be the next tribal chief. And they got to put this big moniker on him to keep him inflated to kind of protect him because all he's going to do is the spinning solo, the hip attack, a Samoan drop and a spike. Um, so 
Yeah. Uh, I, I I had a first off. I tried to go back and count. I I think I counted sixteen spikes in total, <laughs> <laughs> which is absolutely absurd. Um, and I agree. I. I felt like this was a moment where like you take Cena out on a stretcher and like play that up. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, okay, clearly Cena's done. You know what I mean? Like this is the end of his run. It was, I felt like incredibly clear. The fact that they gave him a curtain call was just the fucking, you know, the, the period at the end of the sentence for that. Um, so I, I guess, I guess the SAG strike is coming to an end real quick here. Um, ah, but did we really need John Cena put over Solo Sokoa? Like, was was that even necessary? I think in their eyes, this one win is going to carry him the rest of his career. I mean, did it work for Austin Theory? You mean the 150 million hitmen? I think so. <laughs> I, the rock spot worked more for him than beating John Cena. I don't... I. I hate to say it, but like John John Cena is a walking L in a singles match at this point. So like if a dude only has a history of losing for the last 2000 and whatever days, like does a win over him do a whole lot anymore? Cuz I don't feel like it does cuz let, let's be honest, you know, John, he wasn't good in the ring. I hate to say it. Like uh, other than the fact that he hit a choke slam, and I don't think I've ever seen John Cena hit a fucking choke slam, but he he didn't he went for the AA like eighteen times and never got it. Um, you know he did get the five knuckle shuffle, but like the dude's really not much in the ring anymore at this point. Yeah, he's not, and you know he didn't just get the W over Cena though he retired John Cena because that's what we can say right now because you know Baron Corbin in here exactly you know what I'm saying and to say I retired John Cena you know until John Cena comes back and uh, yeah well never mind I, I was gonna talk about the Smackdown segment but man like yikes uh yeah I just it is sad to see I mean John Cena was never uh you know, uh, uh, I don't know who AJ Styles in the ring or anything, you know. Um, but like, it's definitely a lot less than it used to be. And like you said, Roman, uh, Roman Solo really isn't a whole lot in the ring either. Um, you know, I, I was kind of like wondering after the match, where do we go from here with Solo? Like, what's Solo's next thing? And I I was thinking, okay, maybe maybe this is the Randy Orton thing. Maybe Solo Sokoa, Randy Orton, is the next thing for Solo Sokoa. Maybe you know, voices in my head. I could I can see that, and you know, Orton's good at putting people over in that regard, making them look better in the ring than Cena does at this point, because Cena just oversells and whatever. But yeah, to me, this was this was the worst match of the PLE. Agree. Yeah, well, unless we're counting whatever happened next, right? But yes, I agree. I honestly don't even like, I don't even want to talk about it that much. There was a Miz TV segment with Grayson Waller and Ibrahim Al-Hajjaj 
Uh, and then Grayson Waller tries to turn it into the Grayson Waller effect, comes out to be, be heel shit. They're trying to make Miz uh, a baby face, and then there's some stupid fight. In the, like, it was probably cool for the local people, but I don't know who the fuck this guy is. And like, he, he, he hit a worse fucking people's elbow than Snoop Dogg, worse, worse than Pat McAfee. Like, it was just, it was just so much bad all around. The only thing that I really take from this is that WWE is all in on, on getting a face push for the Miz, which is kind of fucking weird. Yeah. Um, that, that's it right there. And face Miz, it's a change. So whatever. Yeah. There were reports before that they were trying to get Cristiano Ronaldo in there. And I, I felt like that would have been a lot more interesting than this dude. Cause at least Ronaldo's athletic and would have, been a little bit more interesting but this dude like he just wasn't he's funny he's charismatic he's he's a good talker but like you already have two really fucking good talkers in the Miz and Grayson Waller and like I don't know it's just dumb anyway let's continue we get to what for me was second match of the night the Rey Mysterio Logan Paul match because uh we Logan Paul earned so much respect from me in this match because I obviously first off the dude's been watching a lot of AEW and he's he's a big uh Hangman fan clearly um but uh he saved a man's life tonight Yes yes he did that was crazy cuz and I, Ray, I'm glad he's taking a break because I get it, man. You're the Lucha man, but he has to do things that other people of his age don't have to do because he's Ray Mysterio, because he's that high flyer, the luchador, you know, and I don't, he's, he's too old to be doing all that, man. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was scary, but, you know what? I, I didn't think that I was going to go into this match and be like, Logan Paul saved Rey Mysterio from a botched spot. Like, that was not... Out of all the things that could have happened in this PLE, that was probably last on the list. Yeah, but this was... I Like, this was better than I anticipated as well, because I... Not that I have any doubts, unfortunately, in Logan Paul, but Rey Mysterio just kind of hasn't been... Ray Mysterio, you know, it's just kind of been meh, but he 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 hit some things out here. He hit a kidney shot on Logan Paul, which I thought, what the hell? He just punched people in the kidneys now. <laughs> um, but Logan Paul, at one point, he caught a cross body. He um he hit like a a moonsault fallaway slam that was nasty. Uh, he did this weird after he crawled across body another time. He did he like rolled through, stood back up, put him on his shoulders, did a death valley driver into the turnbuckle, but didn't let him go. Grabbed him again, hit a rolling senton to put him on the floor, back to his feet to hit a lion salt off the robes. Kind of crazy. He was busting hella shit out. Uh, standing frog splash was crazy. He had caught Ray hitting the springboard moonsault, the lion salt as well, and turned that into a power slam. Um, Ray hit like a nasty sunset power bomb to Logan, and then he hit 
a code red after that. Um, not something we even see at all in WWE, except for the women's division, Zelina and Michin, uh, who normally hit that. And then we had Logan's friend in there being super sneaky, which he actually was sneaky. He was like keeping his body line below where the ring level was like he was actually doing a pretty good job at crouching there. Um, but he had brass knuckles. They eventually got knocked off. He tried to get him back. Santos happened to be sitting in the front row, hopped the barricade to stop the man from getting the brass knuckles back to Logan Paul. He picks them up. He looks at them and he's like, I'm going to beat this man up. And he goes to chase Logan's friend, but just so happens to put the brass knuckles on the apron. I don't know why you wouldn't put it in your pocket or go hit that man with him or something like that. But he left him on the apron. Logan got him. Logan eats a 619. Ray goes to drop the dime and he eats the brass knuckle punch to the face, which why would that even matter? I thought the guy had titanium in his fist. Is titanium not stronger than brass? I mean, maybe maybe not when it's got like some flesh covering it to take a little bit of the a little bit of the blow out of it. Maybe, but that's how we ended up with our new United States champion, Logan Paul, who got the one, two, three over Ray with that in a pretty exciting match, honestly. Yeah, this match delivered more than I expected it to. Um, And like you were going through, Logan Paul popped off some shit that I was not expecting from him. Um, The crazy part is, is like Logan Paul is already a better wrestler than probably 80%, 90% of the company. He's a better wrestler than fucking Roman Reigns. You know what I mean? Like from, from an athleticism in the ring standpoint. And I don't like the dude at a, at a like kind of personal level. Um, just because all the shit that he's done and been involved with and everything, but like, he's so unlikable. It's, it's like Dom, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's, an asset, how unlikable he is. And then the fact that he can actually deliver. Like, dude, I don't know the last time I've seen a fucking moonsault fallaway slam in the WWE. I don't even know if I've ever fucking seen one in the WWE that, that I can remember, at least. Um, he hit a buckshot lariat, and I was just like, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't like a hangman buckshot lariat, but it was pretty damn fucking good. Um, he sells pretty well. And like I said, the, him saving Rey Mysterio's life and like, it wasn't, it wasn't even like an easy save. Like it it was like a, a, a veteran professional, like, oh shit, I got to save this dude's fucking life. Like he, he recognized it right away and got in there and kept Ray from leaving in a fucking stretcher. Um, Mega props to Logan Paul for this. I'm glad he won. And uh, I'm going to be even more glad when he drops the belt to Kevin Owens. That's going to be very nice right there. Um, Yeah, don't always like to say it, but yeah, big props to Logan Paul. No hesitation on that save right back into the match as well. Almost like, you know, he just took advantage almost like, you know, as if it was part of the match instead of, you know, an accidental death. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the yikes moment of the show. Maybe maybe that's an award we like need to start on the show. Is like yikes moment of the night. That was one thousand percent yikes moment of the night. And then uh, 
you know, we we got to deal with Escobar and his mishandling of the knuckles. Like he seemed to not really give too much of a fuck who was going to get them. It was like a toss them in the ring, and you know, whoever gets them wins the match. So, where does Escobar go from here? Yeah, I think we're gonna probably see some. Maybe if if. They just don't make him look like an idiot who accidentally put him down, but he's still friends with Ray later on. If they don't make him do that, we'll see some dissension in the LWO. And honestly, he needs to break off and he needs to take the other homeboys, Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wild. I'm yes, pretty sir. sure I'm pretty sure the three of them together were what Legado del Fantasma or something like that. And he was, you know, the leader of that. Let's go back to that. It would be more interesting than the LWO, that's for sure. But then they just brought Carlito back, so what? The, they're just gonna let him hang solo? Like he's got Ray and Zelina, tag team right there. And they can go. Um, they could fight Judgment Day. Boom. Yeah, but I do feel like Ray is due for a break. Like maybe we don't see him until the Rumble. Yeah, for sure. I would not hate that. And God knows the man's fucking earned it, especially after almost dying. <laughs> um, uh, after this, we end up in not match of the night. It's definitely not as far as content, but story moment of the night. We've got EO Sky defending her championship against Bianca Belair. This was this was fun as well. Um, both women were coming out ready to put on the show. Um, and what normally would sometimes feel like a, you know, big woman, small woman fight. Um, I mean, EO just doesn't make you feel like she's at that much of a disadvantage because of her size, like some other wrestlers do. I, I don't necessarily know how to describe it, but she actually feels credible when she's out there, especially when. She can actually successfully focus on taking out a limb and make that part of her strategy. Unlike some people like Shinsuke Nakamura, who fights somebody with a bad back but wants to hit him in the head. Cool. Um, she's going right back at that bad knee of Bianca Belair. Hits a dragon screw on it. At one point, she has her tied up in the tree of woe, uh, you know, with the knees hanging upside down. And she hits a drop kick on the knee. I really like that a lot. I'm surprised there wasn't more hair shenanigans. Um, I think at one point she's like holding her hair and just, just kneeing her over and over as the ref gets the, the five count. I thought I like that a lot. Bianca hits the jaded. Uh, it's not a not a glam slam anymore. It's now known as the jaded. So please uh, get on get on with the times commentary. Um, at one point, Eo grabbed a double underhook on bianca like she was gonna hit like i don't know like a friggin tyler driver 97 you know what i'm saying like well, i don't know what the hell she was gonna do i've never seen her grab somebody like that and i'm mad that bianca countered it um but eventually we got bailey out there she tries to you know interfere eo's kind of telling her to go away um but we get an accidental attack where bailey hits eo as Bianca dodges out of the way, uh-oh. Uh, Bailey tries to stop Bianca from getting in there. Bailey gets mad. She hops out. She's about to get 
or I'm sorry, Bianca hops out. She's about to get Bailey in the KOD. Gonna put her back through the announce table once again, but she's saved. Saved by Kyrie Sane, who has made her return. She hits the backhand on Bianca. Uh, jumps off the barricade to take her out once again. They're calling her the Pirate Princess. That was her name before that. With this attitude that she has upon her return, I don't think she's a princess at all anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Um, they get her back in the ring. EO hits the, the over-the-moon saw for the one, two, three. And then Kyrie gets in there for the insane elbow. And, you know, Bianca's mad. You know, so and they were talking about, um, you know, I'm thinking about Kyrie's past history and we got some mild history there as well with uh, her tag team partner, Oscar. So we don't or former tag team partner, Oscar, where they actually I think they were the longest reigning tag champs or something like that, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, and they also reminded us that there's some history there between Bailey and Kyrie. I guess Bailey was the one that basically sent Kyrie packing out of the WWE. So uh, there's so much. I, I feel like this is the juiciest plot that we have moving forward because everything else is going to get kind of stale for a little bit, especially on the SmackDown side because who the fuck knows the next time we're going to see Roman Reigns. Um I am super excited for Kyrie's return. I feel like she's also another one of those smaller girls that like can literally go in the ring with anybody and super deliver. And yeah, dude, she like she was there were no smiles. She was like total bad bitch vibes. Like I was super into it. Um and I I think this is going to be, you know, this is essentially the end of damage control because I I don't I don't know if they're going to try to induct Kyrie in or EO is just going to branch off and stick with Kyrie now at this point and then that just leaves Bailey with Dakota Kai um which by the way I thought at first Kyrie was Dakota Kai because y- you only got the shot from behind and you just saw like kind of colorful hair or whatever and a and a smaller skinnier girl and I was like oh shit Dakota Kai's doing something. She ain't useless. And then, you know, you, you, next thing you know, they turn the shot around and it's like, oh, it's Kyrie. And uh, yeah, so no, Dakota Kai is still useless um, in case we were all wondering. But dude, D- Kyrie's, Kyrie's elbow is like so fun, dude. She like gets upside down in the air. The way she hits it is just so much fun to watch too. It's like it's like she's controlling her body like in two separate ways. I, I can't. It's hard to even fathom. Um, but what if what if we get women's war games and we end up with Eel staying heel with Kyrie? They group they group up with Oscar. I don't know who else on the heel side they could group up with. And you know, hopefully not Piper and Chelsea. But then on the face side, we get you know Shotzi, Charlotte. Maybe Bailey, Bianca, you know, maybe somebody else. I think that could be interesting. Bailey and Shotzi ain't going to be on the same team, and neither is Charlotte. Um, Charlotte we- and Bailey. So Bailey would be on the heel side, would still because I do think that you know 
Bailey's not stupid. Like there, you saw the look on her face when Kyrie was there. She was like, "That's that's my friend," and like, "Oh shit, this is going to be a problem." Um, so I do think that Bailey's going to be try to be ahead of things and try to say that Kyrie should join Damage Control, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So I I I don't know. I I could see something like that, but I don't know. I don't. I actually don't think I would be super interested in that. Yeah, I think it's too soon to mend some of those storylines anyways because, I mean, we got like, what, two weeks, three weeks until the next Peely now? Yeah, I think I think three weeks sounds right. Um, yeah, we're, we're moving fast in the Survivor Series and then we're in, like, the mega holiday slump after that. We get the random Christmas show shit and it's just not not a ton but um i i don't know i i think this bianca eo thing is not over um because we saw we saw charlotte get her rematch like all this sees things and and gives chances again so i don't expect this to be the end um, similar, like I don't, I don't expect it to be the end between Seth and Drew because I just had to watch 19 fucking Seth versus Nakamura matches. Why can't I get a, a Seth Drew too? And I feel like the same for this. I, I think we'll get another, um, maybe we'll get a tag. Maybe we'll get EO Kyrie versus Charlotte Bianca. Hmm. That could be fun too. That's obviously a TV match. That's not a, uh. That's not a PLE match. Um, let's keep moving. And the next match is certainly a TV match and was not a PLE match, to be honest with you. We yeah. have Cody Rhodes against Damian Priest with basically no implications, no storyline movements, no title. Literally, this, this, this is just a Monday Night Raw match. Pretty much. Uh, the crowd randomly picked it up. I guess it's because it's Cody, you know, they were uh, getting hyped for that. And man, when they're doing the entrances, they got, you know, the CGI, whatever the hell. And they got Damien Priest, who's got the big hooded figure, Judgment Day style shit. But why in the middle of that, they just bust out a bow and arrow and shoot it. And I'm like, damn it, he still is the archer of infamy. I'm so tired of that. I'm tired of the reckoning. But... I did like it when it was used here. Now, to jump forward to that spot, um, we get you know Cody and Priest on the outside. Cody's clearing off the announce table and teasing, hitting another reckoning, uh, just like you did previously to, I believe, J.D. McDonuts on SmackDown. And Damien Priest counters it, ends up hitting a reckoning of his own and murders the guy on the table. It was actually pretty nasty. Um, but this match is... It's just what it was. They were just kind of going at each other. A little bit of fun stuff on the outside. Um, this Cody, he does the drop down uppercut thing. Is it? Is he just do that twice now? It used to only be once, but now every time he hits it twice. And speaking of hitting things multiple times, he had to hit three crossroads to win, which I guess that's just a thing that he does now. But it's it's honestly going to start to lose its effectiveness he's going to start having to hit like five or six or seven or eight before people are going to start to really believe that shit but we had one little 
highlight here where of course we had judgment day it's a judgment day match and damian priest can't do it by himself so we had like finn balor coming out distracting the ref jd mcdonough's trying to slide in the ring but cody has spiders senses so he throws him out of the ring um we eventually get dirty dom running down there with the steel chair damon priest is calling him out and out of nowhere the main event jay uso to save the day hits the super kick takes everybody out um cody ended up hitting a giant uh top rope cutter which was nasty cody and priest were throwing super kicks back and forth this was this was pretty fun, but yeah, it was basically just a hype, you know, raw main event. Yeah, that's that's the only difference was was that like you said, Cody had to hit three crossroads. That shit's only reserved for PLEs because I feel like the last time he needed to break out that many was uh was Brock. <laughs> so yeah, I and dude, I don't I don't know how they built the Arabic announce table, but that shit was not going anywhere i you know like whereas you just you just stomp on uh the the other one a little too hard and the whole thing comes apart that that one was like made out of concrete dude they didn't they didn't want them to not be able to get their broadcast off on this one yeah that was that was wild i actually was kind of surprised they didn't play up the ankle thing more cuz like he did kind of like have a little bit of a limp and there were a couple ankle spots, but you know, okay. We've never seen Damien priest do an ankle lock, but like, it's not a complicated move. So like do a fucking ankle lock. You know what I mean? Like none of that was really, really used. Um, the interference was super fucking predictable. And then, you know, we saw Jay interrupt for this and I understand that he has no relationship with LA Knight, but like, he has plenty of beef with his brother. So, so like, why? He, like, he was already there. He already helped somebody. Like, why didn't he go out there and, and address Jimmy? You know, like, that was also a weird thing to me. Where, like, okay, it's... I When when he does and doesn't have the green light to, to interfere is just weird to me sometimes. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what, what that was up with either, but... You know, at least we got this over. Yeah, I mean, this is just going to lead to another tag title match, and I mean, I think they're just going to put the titles back on Cody and Jay for a little bit. I think we might see Judgment Day start falling in rank. I don't know. I, I, you're not clamoring for a, a pretty deadly title run. Well, I don't think Pretty Deadly is going to get a title run until they split these belts, honestly. They they need to. Maybe maybe we'll get some sort of solution for splitting them at Survivor Series. Give me a freaking tag team Survivor Series, man. Fucking 10 on 10 or something stupid. Bada bing, bada boom, battle royale. The, in, instead of two rings it's four rings <laughs> oh shit i don't remember what arena survivor series oh it's in chicago duh because cm punk's gonna show up 
Um, <laughs> I actually I saw somebody on Twitter say that it would have been fun if the the hooded figure stealing the briefcase ended up being CM Punk. He's oh my god, dude! I don't just like. I think it'd be a big pop. It'd be a big reaction. The stories would be cool. I don't ever want to see the guy in the ring ever again, though. Me neither at all. But like. I I do worry sometimes. Just just a little bit. I don't think it's going to happen because I think that aside from how polarizing he can be in the fan base, like yes, there's a lot of fans that love him, there's a lot of fans that hate him. I feel like he's just like the locker room doesn't want him. And then you'd have the entire locker room not just souring on him, but souring on the company. Yeah, and that's the last thing you need when you're trying to bring in some of these hot names who it sounds like all the drama in AEW is kind of pushing people back to favoring WWE, especially since they're probably hearing from the homies, hey, Vince ain't around no more. We got big trips, and you know he treated us right. So, Yeah, and we got a, a couple tweets from Will Osprey engaging with some of the WWE superstars over this PLE, Seth Rollins in particular. The water's warm, he said. Yes, sir. And dude, if if they stole Will Osprey, because he he more or less straight up said that he is indeed leaving New Japan. Uh, that's that's no longer going to be a possible destination. It's it's more or less down to AEW and WWE because nobody else can probably afford him. Like you know TNA or whatever could else uh, it possibly get in on the picture. They don't have the pockets that either of the other two companies do. So uh, I I don't know. I feel like the fact that he's engaging in WWE superstars the way that he is um, definitely means it's on the table. All I know is if they get this guy and he's not out there fucking being Will Ospreay, fuck off. No, I, I think... I really the history of stars getting neutered when they come up is really with Vince. You know, look look at what's happened since Triple H has come back. Like Cedric Alexander, um, oh my God, I'm uh, Cameron Grimes. You know, the these dudes are getting their opportunity to show out. Um, I mean, even even JD McDonough is getting like serious time. So. I I don't know, man. I feel like with Triple H in charge, he'd he'd basically just say, "Hey, you know, you do you." Yeah. We can only hope. We can dream. We can dream of an instance where WWE somehow has both MJF and Will Ospreay in it, because that would. There's no quicker way to completely like change the complexion of the company by bringing in just two people than it being those two people. It'd be fucking huge. Yes, sir. What was not huge was our next match. We had the main event. Roman Reigns defending his title against L.A. Knight. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you feel about this one? And in my opinion, this match is... Literally exactly what I predicted. 
Um, I'm going to jump right into the end because I feel I was right. Um, and, you know, everybody loves when they feel that way. Literally, Roman Reigns didn't necessarily have the match won, but it came down to he was about to lose. Jimmy helped him. And technically, Jimmy did not need to help him. Roman's foot was underneath the rope already. Doesn't that mean you, you like... Like you can't get pinned like that, period. Like there's there's never been a situation when like that's why you see them tuck the arm. They pull them away from the ropes. Even if your hand or any part of your body is underneath that rope, that that you, it's not a legal pinfall. So I, I think Jimmy interfered when he didn't need to. Hopefully that's actually what happened and it wasn't just you know, mispositioning, because that's that's a very small, very deliberate thing in my opinion, but maybe I'm hyper focused on it because that's what I was looking for in this entire match. Um, and if you've ever seen a Roman Reigns match, if you've ever seen an LA Knight match, you know exactly what happened. Uh, way more long and drawn out than it needed to be. Was Byron Saxton the announcer for everybody tonight? Because yes, he was. I was like, this guy's not that bad. And then I saw. Then, like we we actually see him in the ring on this match. I guess maybe I wasn't paying attention, and I don't even know how he kept it together as these two guys are jaw jacking while he's trying to give his announcement. But shout out, uh, Big B Sax, um, good job, good job, brother. Yeah, he was the announcer the entire night. He did an awesome job, actually. Um, and I would say everything that I've seen, the general consensus is well done, sir. Oh, well done. Um, I came in expecting the Roman Reigns script to fights. Uh, that is indeed what we got. But for a brief moment in the beginning, I didn't think we were going to get that because usually the fights start very slow. This one actually started on the quicker side, but then returned to the typical Roman Reigns pace. Um, and yeah, like it's funny because... L.A. Knight is so ridiculously over. He's great on a microphone, but we all know he's not the greatest in the ring. And I actually felt like these two dudes together in the ring showed how lacking each other are. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot to watch this match. And what disappointed me the most in this match was... I felt like this was an opportunity to switch the script a little bit. Like, I felt like this was the perfect match to have a clean win by Roman Reigns because I, he doesn't he doesn't need interference to beat LA Light. Let's let's be honest. And as you pointed out, he he probably technically didn't. Um, and I considering the state of the bloodline i felt it would have been really impactful to give roman a clean win and then you know the the inevitable three month four month break that we're about to get it, it would feel better too because it would be like okay you know he he earned that one this time rather than just winning by interference um i don't know i felt like i would have enjoyed that a lot more if if that's how it went yeah, I, I I have to agree with you there. I don't know what the hell if I, I did. They just want to scrub everybody's name out of the record books and give this man the longest, so that they don't got to acknowledge anybody else. I, I don't know, but 
they, so if that were to happen, um, apparently he would need to hold on to the belt until fall of next year to break Hulk's record. And that would mean that we're either not getting Cody Roman at WrestleMania or we do get Cody Roman WrestleMania and Cody loses again and then he doesn't win it until the trilogy fight. Which, if we got a trilogy fight of three WrestleManias in a row of Cody Roman headlining and then Cody beats him in the last one, like, I I don't think I can watch all of that. <laughs> No. And then what what's gonna happen in the third match? Cody's gonna hit fifteen crossroads. I'm I'm okay on that one. Yeah, dude. It's uh... but That's, I'm worried. I am slightly worried that they could choose to go that route. Like I hope they do they probably won't. But put the rock in mania, give Cody a break. Maybe hopefully that whatever you said, August, September, maybe that's after SummerSlam or something. So Cody can get it at SummerSlam, but it's just, um, it, it's taken too long. Just like this match took a little bit too long. In my opinion, um, the things I noticed more so were small, like cute things. Like at one point, Paul Heyman tried to distract the ref and tried to climb up and get inside the ring, but it looked like he didn't have the upper body strength to pull himself up. I don't know what that was about. That didn't look good at all, but they played that shit off. Um, Roman just kind of taunting the crowd, saying no. At one point, they were calling him an asshole, and he's like, I'm the asshole. And I'm like, yeah, they're really embracing their pay-per-view here. Um, and the thing that bothered me a lot, Roman does the spear. LA Knight hit a nice leapfrog to jump over Roman Reigns when he was against the turnbuckle to dodge the spear. And Did not blow out his quad, by the way. Did not. And every single person, I I, I want to say almost in every damn match on this show and every match that's ever existed beforehand, they always try to do a spear, they miss, and they go shoulder first into the post. And it's always somebody who doesn't hit a spear. It doesn't make sense. Now we have somebody who does the spear, and when he does it, he doesn't go into the post. He just goes face first into the turnbuckle. So what... <laughs> Well, that's why is because he's a spear pro and that doesn't happen to a spear pro, but the spear novices that happens to. I don't know why these people are just adding moves to your repertoire. It never works. Oh my God. Although earlier in the night, Logan Paul went to spear Ray and ended up in the post. And that was probably one of the harder like post cells I've seen from a Miss Spear. Yeah, because he he's still learning. He hit that shit. He said, oh shit, I gotta slow down next time. Yeah. So again, Spear novice. Oh my God. But we ended up getting Solo coming out on the ramp and they ended up stop uh stopping him up there. They um then Jimmy sneaks in at that point and that's kind of when all the shenanigans began. Um, we, I believe we got a, what do you call it? A Superman punch, a spear into a two count. Not really something that we really see here. Um, Roman Reigns busted out the guillotine, uh, which he, I can't remember the last time he really used that submission since like he was fighting Kevin Owens. Like it's, I feel like it's been a while since he busted that shit out. 
Um, Ellie and I was dribbling heads off the announce table like basketballs. I'm surprised Roman let him do that. I'd be like, I'm above that. You're not bouncing my head off a table. I, that's um, that's some that's some not head of the table shit. You don't put my head on the table. But maybe that was part of the part of the thing. I don't know. Maybe that was the play that was over my head until now. But eventually, um. LA Knight hits a backdrop on Jimmy, putting him through the announce table to get him out of the way. LA Knight's distracted. He eats a spear on the outside through the barricade. Roman puts him back in the ring, hits him with another spear for the clean one, two, three, quote unquote. So I don't know. It was something, I guess. Yeah, the spear through the barricade spot was pretty bad because like as LA Knight was getting there, he leaned on the barricade and the barricade almost fell over right there. So uh, you knew, like the second I saw that, I was like, okay, he's getting speared through it next because it was very obvious that it wasn't like bolted to any other segments of the barricade. And I was like, well, that's what's happening next. Which, and I, I don't mind those those barricade spots, right? I like those, but I'm like... There's no way your barricades are that weak because then everybody that's sitting in the front row, like they're just liable to get their legs crushed every single match. Well, not only that, it's always the same piece of barricade in the same spot, too. It's like in that little alcove where they'll like hide things, you know, it'll be like a chair for the next segment or something like that's that's usually what's in that little spot over there. So anytime somebody goes over there. I mean, that's where we saw Rhea hit a spear through it. I, I'm pretty sure we've seen Charlotte even hit spears through it. Uh, Edge, like, that is the spear through the barricade spot. So anytime you know, like, somebody goes into that corner, you, you start thinking that's what's coming next. 100%. It's always that same spot. And now thinking about it, I didn't even think about this, but as far as, you know, buying wrestling tickets for live events, I feel like, being on that uh like in the front row in that area as well i feel like those would be pretty ideal seats as well because you're almost bound to get some type of action over there oh for sure that's probably a really good seat um i actually think the seats behind the announcers would be pretty fun too Uh, yeah it would be kind of annoying to have to see around them but you would hear them say shit that we usually don't hear and then you get a front row because there's always big big announce table spots so you'd get some pretty nice spots right in front of you there too hell yeah hell yeah i like i gotta make a list of best wrestling spots and just you know try try a different one each so see which one works best that'd be fun those ones are probably pretty pricey oh dude every fucking front row ticket is like a g at like every w for like a regular ass raw or smackdown i'm like that's ridiculous I'm telling you, man, more and more, I kind of want to go see one of these live shows. Yeah, they've got to be reasonable, and they look way more entertaining. I mean, they probably, you know, they definitely cut cost corners there, because I'm, I'm assuming a big thing that is missing is the overall production value. Like, there's probably no pyro. You know, the entrances are probably dialed back a little bit because a lot of that pomp and circumstance is done for, for TV purposes. You know, like the the holographic, ooh, wow, Roman that we all see, uh, but the audience doesn't see, like, you know, all, all the capabilities to do all that sort of shit is out the fucking window. 
I'm I'm waiting for the day when that giant holographic stuff, but they they do that shit in person. That's gonna be crazy. It's gonna blow somebody's mind. I've seen things that can do that, um, and especially like if they have a way to do it with water too, because like you can project onto water. So like if they, I don't know, there there's ways to do it. I'm sure. Maybe it's just not quite in TKO's budget yet. Not yet. We haven't even had like a lot of drone stuff either. Like that drone shit's expensive as well, but that shit's really cool too. Hey, there's a lot of room for growth in that area for the WWE, but they, I mean, they blow every other company out of the water when it comes to that. I would say the only thing like that AEW will beat them on sometimes is I feel like AEW is more willing to spend money for rights to songs. So you'll hear like, actual songs more often in AEW than WWE. But other than that, like all that entrance material, I, I generally feel like nobody can compete with WWE. Dude, sp- speaking of that right there, did you see, um, I don't know if it was Brooks or if it was Jensen, but at an NXT house show, he came out to Journey. Um, I can't remember what song it was. But did you like that? That happened at a NXT house show. I was floating the the rounds here recently. No, I'm gonna need to find that. Check that out. That I wish I wish that would happen more often. You know, I I think back to like WCW, NWO, Hulk Hogan entering on Voodoo Child. Like that shit was just so fucking epic. You know what I mean? Like anytime it's a song that you recognize, um, it's it's pretty wild. You know, they, they've had, uh, times when like people have come out to Metallica and shit like that. I'm not even a Metallica fan, but like when I hear it as an entrance music, I'm like, yeah, that shit fucking slaps. I know. I know exactly what you mean. And it was the song separate ways by journey. Oh dude, we do that all the time. Like that. I, it's funny. So like, I usually go out and I'll do a warm up song for the like to warm up the crowd and whatnot and just like fucking wail in people's faces and shit. And that's like we've experimented with so many different songs to do that with. And for some reason, that always gets the biggest response from the crowd. I'll do like Van Halen stuff or Guns N' Roses or ACDC, you know, like typical guitar stuff or whatever. I don't fucking know why, but everybody loses their fucking mind when we do that song. That song is hot fucking fire, brother. Yes, it is. But uh, what was not hot fire was this PLE. <laughs> For me, it was a C. For you, it was B minus. But, you know, uh, hey, at least we get to one of the big four. We got Survivor Series coming up. It should be a whole hell of a lot more interesting. We should get a whole hell of a lot more uh, better results than just the typical things that you would expect, the predictable show. Um, we probably won't get John Cena, but hey, you know what? We're we're most likely getting Randy Orton. Um, I still don't think Brock is due back until next year. Uh, the, Randy Orton, Brock are probably going to be one of the next targets for Solo would be my guess. Uh, I would expect that we're going to get a deeper heel turn from Drew and another rematch with Seth. I don't know if it'll be at that show. Uh, you know, obviously Drew is contemplating his choices and not accepting help from the Judgment Day winning. So maybe we'll get we'll get like a heel Drew win of the belt at Survivor Series. I know some people are getting really tired of Seth. I'm not. 
we'll see where it goes from here, but take us home, my dog. Yeah, man, Seth can go. Let's hope he keeps going or we get some good Drew stuff. And I think Solo is going to come out and start calling himself the Legend Killer. And off we go from there. Um, And off we go this evening. It was a pleasure blessing everybody once again uh, with some wrestling voices here uh, with our lovely Crown Jewel episode. But until the next adventure with some SmackDown and NXT action, stay safe and have a great evening. Deuces, deuces. Deuces.